With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Um, we'll take a step aside for the next three All Ball podcasts. We're going to drop these in kind of consecutive days, give a little bit of gap in between. But I, I, I just think it's a personal story that is so good. And so many of you are like, man, when I'm driving, I'm recruiting. When I'm driving to a high school game, uh, wherever I am, I love to listen to stories be told. Well, I have a dear friend. His name is Josh Lucas. Josh was the director of player personnel for the Chicago Bears. How he got there after being a student athlete at Harvard, but the mercurial path it took to getting there and the time he took and why he stepped aside at times from his job. This is a story that has not been publicly told. Josh is a rising star in the media. He still is a very, very well-respected uh, player personnel, potential GM in the future. Here's his story. The thing I love about my job is when, when I was a kid, my dad was an old basketball coach, right? I always felt like my dad was an old basketball coach, even when I wasn't old, right? Like they, he'd been doing it since he got out of college. He was a high school coach, then became a college coach. And... There's a lot of reasons I put together this pod the way I do. I mean, really, I, I was I was driving one night between Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and Bowling Green, Kentucky, and it was pouring rain. Um, and actually, there was a I didn't know this at the time until like midway through the drive that I was driving through like an active tornado area. And I was listening to Sirius XM and to the Howard Stern, to Howard Stern interview Megan Trainer, And Megan told the story of how she kind of made it, her, her breakthrough, which was she went into L.A. Reid's office and she had written songs for lots of people. And she had this, uh, I'm going to love you like I'm going to lose you. And um, she only had, I think, like one verse that she could sing and play on a ukulele. You know, again, like the details are a little fuzzy now because it's actually, an, it's like an amazing interview. I, he let her just kind of talk her way through it, but she talked about how she was there the whole day and she, he wanted her to play the whole song. And um, anyway, she ended up figuring out how to play the whole song and thought it was, you know, for somebody else. He's like, no, I want you to record that. But it was a storytelling element of it that I just, I, I remember I'm driving through this incredibly shitty weather and I'm like, the power of audio, and I've said this on radio before, is when you, you get a really, really good story or you get a really, really good conversation, you don't want to turn it off. The greatest compliment you can give to a radio host is I pulled into my driveway 
and I could not get out of the car until you were done. The second greatest one, or maybe the one B, is I listened through a commercial break because I wanted to hear how the conversation ended or something like that. Then I factor in, when I was a kid, my dad would take me to the Final Four. We'd go up to the Nike, and in the Nike suite, there would be Jim Valvano and Dick Vitale and Digger Phelps, and John Thompson would be there. All these kind of famous old-time coaches, or my dad was great friends with Dale Brown. And the thing about all those coaches were they're amazing storytellers. You know, amazing storytellers. And so I thought, why not have a pod about storytelling in basketball? Tell people the story of their basketball. And there have been times in which we veered off of that. Lots of really, really good ones. And so now with the holiday season, a couple of my friends who I think have amazing stories have offered up to to join me. Uh, One of those is a guy, and again, this is kind of part of what makes my job cool. His name is Josh Lucas. So here's kind of the backstory. Um, I came to work at Fox in 2017. And truth be told, when I came to work at Fox, um, I had still had time on my CBS contract left. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, at the time, fit what they were looking for with just with with one certain element of it. And so I didn't really, uh, we, we, we didn't negotiate. We just said, hey, like, can we get out of the deal? Because a bunch of my friends had left to go to Fox. I like CBS. I learned a lot of CBS. I thought there's really good people on CBS. Uh, I was I had a lot of trepidation when I took the job leaving ESPN because, like CBS, I loved ESPN. It was awesome. So there was no negatives when I left CBS, but I went to Fox. And when I went there, the gentleman who was running the daytime TV element of it had promised me, like, hey, take your deal with the radio. And we're going to find a TV show for you. And then, of course, to do like college basketball games. So three months into that, I was actually overseas. I was coaching in Israel. And I got a call that he'd been fired. He's a good friend of mine. And it sucked because you learn that in business, a lot of it's who you're connected. So Fox, I don't know, trying to do me a solid or I don't know. Maybe they, 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 they were looking for new talent to do different things. But I got to do sideline for one NFL game on Fox. And by the way, it should be pointed out, they did a they did a thorough review of it. I actually had uh, John Madden's old producer did a review. And it was a sterling review. He called me afterwards. And I never forget, I'm driving on the 405, stuck in traffic. And he's like, do you want to do this for the next 20 years? I was like, yes. He's like, well, you're really good at it. I'm like, well, it's fun. I never did another one. And by the way, I think I, I pissed the dolphins off, and we'll talk about what I what I mistakenly did, or I didn't mistakenly did it. I did it, but they know it was a bad thing at the time. So to do an NFL game, the game's on Sunday. It was the Broncos versus the Bears. This is back when the Bears were really good. They had a great defense. They trade for Khalil Mack, and the Dolphins uh, had to kind of spot start Brock Osweiler. I think the. Bears were undefeated at the time, too, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. And it was like midseason. So you go to practice at the facility, and you meet with all the coaches. You spend the entire day there. And then you go back to the hotel. And I, and I think it might have been on a Saturday when, like, Saturday, there's nothing going on. You're literally getting paid to hang out in Miami. 
at the beach or at the hotel. You have a production meeting, which is interminable, but it's like in the afternoon. So to watch college football, I go downstairs and I'm out sitting at the hotel bar and a guy settles up next to me and he knows a lot about football, like a crazy amount about football. His name is Josh Lucas. He joins me now. He was director of player personnel for the Chicago Bears at the time. And I didn't actually know that until probably hmm, an hour into our conversation when we're just watching and, you know, like anybody looking at the screen and commenting. And uh, we've been kind of friends ever since. Um, so Josh joins me now on the All Ball Pod. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So I, I want to get to that point from that point forward in a second. But you, you grew up where? North Canton, Ohio. Uh, I mean, you, you can't get more football nope. than North Canton, Ohio, right? Like, it's just impossible to get uh, – paint the picture of what it's like to grow up in North Canton. About what you think. You know, obviously, with the Hall of Fame, <clears throat> the center of Canton, Ohio, um, you know, and I grew up in a house with, with, with all boys. Um, so, sports were everything, and obviously um, – Football was kind of the the lifeblood of of the state, still is, um, and so you know, with with my dad and my brothers, it was very similar to when I met you that Saturday. You know, watching all those games. Um, you know, I went down to to watch the Ohio State game. That's why I went down to that bar um, uh, in that Saturday afternoon. Um, and uh, so, you know, we're that that's what it that's what it's all about. You know trying to play as a kid. And then obviously, you know, majority of the people are Ohio state fans and, you know, that's how I was born and raised and just, you know, football has been part of my life, you know, as, as long as I can, you know, you know, think back to my, my earliest memories. You, uh, you went to Harvard to play football, though, right? Not, not the Harvard of the big 10. You went to actual Harvard. So let's, let's just start with like, Again, outside looking in, academics must have been a huge part of your life as well. Uh, what was, what was like? Give me, give me the. What was it like growing up in terms of the balance of football? Uh, how your parents were with academics? What pushed you to be such not only an impressive student but an impressive athlete as well? Yeah, it's actually you know it's not a it's not the prettiest um, you know decorative story as far as you know my passion to succeed in school you know I, I grew up in a you know what what America calls a dysfunctional home it was just my dad um and two half brothers and, and my real brother and um you know I to get into my story you know there was a lot of trauma there was there was a lot of um chaos in my house and um for me academics and athletics became my outlet became my perfectionism that's kind of how i escaped um not feeling so well at home um how i escaped being scared all the time um and that kind of doing well in sports and doing well in school kind of became my identity and that's what i kind of hid behind um and fortunately, I was able to come. I was just good enough in football and I was just good enough as a student to combine that into, um, you know, being able to be recruited by those Ivy League schools. But, you know, to be honest with you, like the the 
what I know now is a major, you know, anxiety disorder um, was very prevalent at a young age for me. And, and I never knew that there was anything wrong. I just felt that that's how most people must feel. Um, and that anxiety really began to take a toll on me physically and mentally, you know, well before I ever stepped foot on the campus at Harvard. Um, and, and the, the, the way I coped with everything was this identity that I was this great student and I was this great athlete. Um, and that's kind of what shaped me and, and, and got me to the position, you know, just to get recruited and to be able to go to a school like Harvard and, and attempt to play football. But, you know, I've told you this before. I was I I I didn't feel right when I got there mentally and physically. I ended up having several shoulder surgeries my first few years I was there. Um, never really got the full college experience of being a college athlete. Okay, so that, that that's how I got there. I mean, you can share as much as you want to share, but I mean, I, like when you you throw some chum out there in the water, that they're going like, wait, hold on. Where was your mom in this discussion? Yeah, so um, my parents were divorced um, when I was two years old, um, and my dad took all all four kids. You know, two 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 of my mom's kids from her her first marriage, and then um, my you know my full brother and myself. And um, she was basically out of the picture. You know, my dad raised us. Um, working the night shift at the phone company, coaching all of our sports, um, the most selfless human being um, that that there is. Um, how, did he, how did he get custody of her kids? That's a great question. You know, I think uh, when I was two, they were divorced, and I think she was just pretty much unfit to raise kids and, you know, had some instability in her life, obviously. Um you know, I don't know too many of the details of why he ended up taking all four. But you can imagine, um, <laughs> you know, my oldest two half brothers, um, you know, they didn't have their biological dad or their or their mom around. And there was um there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff going on in my house. Um, you know, my dad wasn't there and, you know, it was it was a pretty chaotic scene for for my brother and I. And um my earliest memories are all Doug. They're all self-soothing, hiding, scared, rocking, um, just waiting for my dad to get home to feel comfortable, you know, to feel comforted. Um, it was. Well, who was, who was cause, who was causing the chaos? If it wasn't you and your brother. <laughs> so <laughs> my, uh, my oldest half brother, Mike um, is, is, you know, now a firefighter in Beachwood, Ohio. And um, he, he was, graduated from high school and off into the military um you know when i was kind of just getting into like i remember like grade school maybe um but the 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 what was causing most of the problem was my brother mark um you know who i don't have a relationship um you know who, who he himself got into a lot of trouble um in high school and and was kind of out of the scene as soon as um um, he turned 18. Um, and you know, like I said, my dad worked night shift my whole life. So as soon as my dad was out of the house, it was just, it was, it was a free, it was a free run for, for my, you know, a high school kid. And, and, you know, he was, you know, 
drugs, partying, you know, people at the house all the time. It just was a wild scene. Um, and I remember it a lot of nights hiding under, you know, hiding under the bed and, and just waiting for my dad to get home in the morning. And, and that was kind of, you know, what we knew. So I didn't know it was anything different. I lived in a normal neighborhood. I didn't know. I, I didn't live in, you know, I wasn't like I grew up in, um, you know, a, a place that, you know, we weren't poor, we weren't rich by any means, but it was just a regular middle-class neighborhood. And it was, um, it was all I knew. And, uh, you know, I think once my brother left the house, things started to settle in a little bit. And then, um, we would see my mom twice a week, my brother, Matt and I, and, um, it, it, it got to a point where, you know, we were seeing her less often and less often. And, you know, when I was 10 years old, um, we were over at her house and, um, um, she was in a, a physically abusive relationship and, um, it happened in front of us. Um, and she, she was able to get us in the car and drive us back to my dad's house and, and drop us off. And, and that was the last time I ever saw my mom or spoke to my mom my entire life. Um, and what I remember about that, Doug, was I was relieved. I hated going over there. I did not like having to go over to this house twice a week um, and be around the person she was married to. Um, and for me and my brother, Matt, who's just 18 months older than me, it's, it's kind of the defining point in our lives. This is kind of when I took off and became this academic athlete and it's kind of when my brother matt started having some problems and kind of became the undercompensator that's how he you know responded to the trauma um and we went on completely different paths um you know through our through middle school and high school um so you know for me it was more of a relief now but it was just my dad and my brother matt in the house and and it was kind of my time where there, it didn't seem there was many distractions. I wasn't quite as afraid. Um, and, and for me, that's kind of like where I started to, to do really well in school and do really well on the athletic field. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You show up at Harvard. What year? I got to Harvard in uh, 1997. Okay, so you show up at Harvard, 1997. North Canton, Ohio. What do you remember about stepping on campus in Cambridge, Massachusetts? I remember the one thing I remembered is I felt I felt I like escaped being back home, and I, I really felt a lot of relief when I got there immediately. Um, and then just the the. Just the, uh, it's hard for you to describe, you know, we, we got there two weeks early for football camp. So campus was empty. Um, I remember feeling very, very proud of myself. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. You know, that type of feeling. Um, and I thought that geographical relocation was going to allow me to start to feel better mentally and physically. And then yeah, reset yourself. Yeah, initially I did. Initially, I kind of had this, this, you know, as we were in camp, we were playing, um, and it, it, there was that initial, you know, relief and kind of dissipation of some of my anxiety um, and some of the emotional just kind of stress that I always felt when I was in high school. Um, but we all know, like all the trauma and all the underlying factors were still there. I wasn't working sure. on it at all. And so, um, well, it was also, it was also before the time when we knew to work on it, you know, 100%. like, let, let's 100%. just kind of be honest, right? Like I, um, I didn't come from what I would, I would consider an abusive home. You know, there was obviously, uh, that generation of parent, even the ones that were still married, like mine, there was a, a different way of, of treating you. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, the, did your dad ever sit down and do homework? He's like, no, he just told you to get that shit done. And do it well, you know, get your grades or you don't play basketball. Like it was really that simple, right? But there's definitely, I, I escaped Southern California, no question, uh, to go to Notre Dame. And I remember showing up and having many of the same feelings. Now, I would tell you that, you know, like, we're obviously both bright. We wouldn't have made it to where we made it if we weren't. On the other hand, I will tell you that I remember I Notre Dame, I got to be in a uh, class. There's one class a semester that was taught by Father Malloy. Mark Malloy was the president of Notre Dame at the time. And he was an English professor. And so I was one. There's 12 advisors. They each select one person. They get to be in a special class. The class is actually taught in the Golden Dome. How about that? And, um, the first class, it's on, the class is only on a Sunday night and he'd get done doing mass and then he'd come in and he'd do your class. And it was a very, the, a very simple format. You read a novel, a book every week, and then you had to write a paper that was more than a page, less than two. But the first week we went around the room, we kind of told our stories a little bit. Like, I don't know, like 12 of us, I mean, say you had like 10 minutes to tell your story or something and I just remember, like, I mean, my story, the headlines were good. Jewish kids, Southern California, mom went to Syracuse, dad went to Ohio State, you know, basketball player, 
et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't really a lot of granular details, right? Like they recruited me. I thought I could start. I love the idea of Notre Dame, what it could do for me um, when I was done playing. And then I hear all these stories of these people and things they've accomplished and places they came from. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm the dumbest, least accomplished person in this room. <laughs> I'm like, I just basketball player. That's how I felt at that, at that point. Um, and I, I don't did what, what was that like you when you you're around campus and like, look, not everybody at Harvard is some, some genius, but there's much, a much higher percentage of people who are really, really intellectually elite. What was it? What was that element of it like? Yeah. It's a, you know, to be a hundred percent honest, I, I was never, I was so self-involved and so concerned with just surviving day to day. I, I never got too overwhelmed by the elites and the money and the prestige of the place. You know, to be honest, Doug, like the, the, that feeling like a fraud and feeling like, do I really belong? Yeah. I, yeah. I had, I had that. I started having that in high school. You know, you know, I was like, are people going to find out, you know, that that was kind of, you know, the the gist of my story was and you just said it on the on the ledger, like my ledger all ranked high in my class, perfect grades, captain of the basketball team, football team, like on paper, it was as pretty as it could get. And, you know, I knew and I've shared this in, in some in some talks I've given like the, the summer going into my freshman year of college, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was off. I knew there was no way other people felt like this, um, you know, inside between their ears. And, you know, like I said, when I got to Harvard for those first few weeks, it kind of dissipated. And I think maybe this is what I needed. Maybe this is what I just, I just needed to get away. Um, but really soon it all started to seep back in. And are they going to find out that, you know, how bad I'm hurting physically. And I, they just wasted this recruiting spot, you know, not that it's a, that big of a deal at Harvard, but you know, the coaches take that stuff seriously and are people going to realize that I'm not that smart, you know, and I just studied my butt off every night and, you know, I was really good at memorizing stuff. So like that feeling that like, I'm going to get found out. And what that led me to do was really start to isolate that, that, that's what, that's what my issues were. So when, when did you hurt your shoulder? I had my first surgery right after the, my, the, my freshman season. So that, that winter of, of night. When did you actually, do you remember when you heard it? Do you remember the moment you heard it? Oh, back in high school. You know what I mean? It was one of those deals where, you know, it just kept, it kept grinding on me and it got to that point where, you know, I needed to get it cleaned up and, you know, I ended up having three surgeries within 18 months, you know, and, and never have gotten physically well enough where, you know, I still feel like my shoulder's great or anything. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to describe. And I think very few people can understand unless they have dealt with debilitating, debilitating anxiety, just what it can do to you physically and how it throws your whole body off a of whack. Um, and I think for me, it all started with a back injury back in like eighth grade. And it just kind of got the mechanism of my body just completely out of whack. And that's where, you know, I started having issues with my shoulder and my hip and everything else. So, um, like I said, I was, I, I felt like I was falling apart before I was even a senior in high school, to be honest with you. 
So um, you have shoulder surgery. Did you take pain pills in? Yes. Um, I remember that feeling the first time I ever took a pain pill of that immediate relief. The world slowed down. Um, but through all those surgeries and the amount of medication I took, um, never did it become a habit. Never did it become something that, um, you know, once the prescriptions would run out that I would be seeking more of it, I'd always get kind of get back into my, my routine and, and, and get back into, um, you know, just the, the regular rigors of college. So that, that was my first exposure to pain medication. Um, obviously not the, the, the last part of my connection and my story to pain medication, but that was my first time, you know, being exposed to it when I was 19 years old. You, um, so did you stay with the football team after the three surgeries? Did you not stay with the team? How, how does it work? So basically after, after my sophomore, um, sophomore spring football, I had the third surgery. I went home to Canton, Ohio and took a whole year off of school. Um, you know, cause in, in, in the Ivy league, they don't really red shirt. So I wanted to, I wanted to get healthy and play. So I wanted to take an entire year off of school. I went home, try to do everything I could to get healthy. And that year ended up just being a waste of a year because I couldn't get healthy physically. I was just getting worse mentally. Um, and then returned to Harvard my final two years, just as a regular student, not, not a part of the football team, just as a, just as a, a, a regular, you know, student in Harvard. When you were at home, what was that like? That ended up becoming um, more, you know, once I realized that I wasn't playing, it just, it just became a lot of socialization, going to visit friends at different colleges, taking a lot of trips. Um, you know, at that point, you know, my brother um, was really struggling at, at home um, and, and has continued to struggle to this day. So I, I remember that year specifically, I didn't like being at home. So as soon as I'd be home and I find, kind of felt this pain and a lot of the sadness that was inside that home, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be there. So I would look for another trip to go on. I'd go visit my friend at Florida State. I'd go visit my friend. Uh, I spent a lot of time working at a sporting goods store as much as I could do just to stay out of the house. Um, and that's kind of been uh, the, the uh, repeating theme, you know, with my relationship with North Canton, Ohio and my home. Um, to this very day. All right, that's it for part one of Josh Lucas uh, from humble beginnings. And of course, understanding now all the things that you probably should have processed back then. Right. We all we all kind of feel that way. Um, remember, the Doug Gottlieb show is daily, three to five Eastern, 12 to Pacific. You can also download in podcast form this podcast only hour. Just type in Doug Gottlieb. Please uh, uh, review this, uh, download, subscribe, rate it. All that stuff helps. And uh, I truly appreciate Josh for telling his story. Part two, ooh, it's fascinating. That's next time on All Ball.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.